Hello and welcome to Something Inventive. On this episode, we'll be talking about WordPress Gutenberg. Yes, we'll be diving into that, a bit more of the history and more depth. And I've got a special guest, Kim Jones, from the company Make Do, who we'll introduce in just a moment. The episode is sponsored by Inventive People, where you can hire the right person for your next creative mini project. So let's just jump straight into it. Thank you for joining me, Kim. Hello, Ben. You were introduced to me by Elliot from the WordPress Meetup Cheltenham. And I um, I tried to get, get in touch with you at WordCamp Bristol, but unfortunately we, we weren't able to to tie it together. Oh, yeah. However, managed to find you on Twitter afterwards and convince you into doing a, <laughs> a talk with us. Would you tell us a little bit about your history? I run a uh, small remote agency called Make Do, specializing in WordPress, as we'll get to that. Started out about five years ago. We actually started out as an events management company, which turned out to be something that we realized we couldn't really monetize as, as much as uh, the web development, web design aspect of it. So we pivoted just to be pure development. At the time, I was already doing a lot of WordPress development. My co-founder and Matt, he was on board with it too. We both had jobs in public sector that we left to start the agency. Then we grew it out, hired people in Manchester. We've got someone down in Essex now, team in Sheffield as well. And uh, I'm personally up in Barnsley, Yorkshire. And if I get a little bit too Yorkshire with the accent, you'll just have to wave your hand so that I <laughs> understand to uh, to start top talking Queen's English. But yeah, we've specialised in WordPress for uh, quite a while now. And uh, Gutenberg's really exciting for us. Uh, we're, we're mainly a team of engineering experts. We have uh, one designer in the team. I'm mm. actually sort of more design front end X design personally before I went into sort of managing the team and, and running the business side of things, which I'm sure any person that started an agency can relate to because you, you you just can't build the build the sites design the sites develop the sites while you're also uh doing sales invoicing yeah and how, how did you find that moving from from the a very hands-on role to to management pretty slow process we, we hired front-end developer directly in response to me not having time to, to do both jobs so that helped and then i eventually started to hand over work to them then when we hired another member of the team who could also do design front end as well, I'd step back entirely and I only worked on uh, some legacy stuff. Still do a bit of help desk because I can still dive into WordPress and you know fix things if needed. I found it pretty, it was managed pretty well, I think, because it, it, it was a long process rather than me just mm. hand, holding hands up and saying, I'm never going to write code again. <laughs> and now I look at some of the stuff the team are doing with the way that they write code in things like front end frameworking and the way that they use GitHub even, I wouldn't know where mm. to start. No, I don't. <laughs> So I just think fair play to them. If they all just fell off a cliff, I would not be able to to do any of our work now. They're all much better at it than I am. So yeah, it was good. The I think the hardest thing, obviously, is not coming from any kind of sales marketing background. You've that that's got to be learned painfully mm. over time. Client management, because project management as well is is a big part of the job, making sure things are being done. It is, yeah. yeah. So that was that was that was hard. I did some of that in my previous roles in public sector, but no, it was just experience over the years. Uh, we, we did hire a business coach actually for a year yeah was that helpful it was the majority of the stuff we learned from them was uh organization was mm. uh, uh sales and marketing around how to better present the team and how to just hold yourself together but there was a lot of team management stuff I still use today. So if the team needs help or if we're struggling with projects or if there's personal problems, then, then that kind of knowledge was a big help. But I think after a year of coaching, probably all right. Yeah. Uh, some coaches, people work with long term, maybe 10, 20 years. We separated with our coach about six months ago. And like I said, I still use some of their methods today, but it's not something that I'm, I think I'd ever go back to because it's, it's like we, we've learned the key bits. We just, I mean, we still haven't implemented some of the stuff that we need to but yeah that was really good uh, i think that well sometimes it's good to 
revisit that, you can sort of get that knowledge off it, off mm. and run with it, and then maybe re revisit it years down the line and see if there's any other changes or any other practices. Because it's as much as you can take on board that knowledge and run with it. Yep. If you're just focusing always on the company, you, you don't see other opportunities. Mm. But you know, you're the sort of person now that, that gets out and about uh, and is able to see opportunities at other companies and without looking in. Yeah, one of the best things I do is I meet up with other founders in similar mm. position to me. They've got uh, agencies of varying size, five, 10, up to 60, 100 people. And we all get together and, and talk about it. And we've got a Slack channel and things like that. So that's probably more helpful than the, the coaching because it's real life experience. Exactly. Yeah, we, it's aspirational as well. So yeah, we work with a coach, Simon Williams over in Worcester. Oh. He was, I think he's from a franchise action coach. I don't think he's with them any longer. <laughs> yeah. Very American. Exactly the same. I, was, right. I bet you've read the Brad Sugar's book. Yes, he's, he's, he's created lots of books. You've actually, probably got this he? one as well. The uh, uh, questions are the answers. <laughs> this is one of, one of the coaching books that I got. Maybe oh yeah, I've got lots of <laughs> lots of material I, I i keep it actually let me let me find my <laughs> that's not to say that i read them all but this one was pretty good here it is oh yeah action club yeah this is it welcome to your 90 day planning i mean i, I thought it's really good actually yep. certainly valuable i did the same with you ran it for a year got a lot out there's a lot i still use because we actually do a lot of coaching in our business so there's a lot i still use nice. there's something really fun called a critical non-essential which i was um told about and it's, it's it was essentially something that people don't expect but is is almost invaluable and it could it could be like like a book so it yeah. could be like your book that you've given them they sign up for a project you go to that first meeting and you give them this book which is really helpful and handy yep. it doesn't cost you much but to them it's like wow i did not expect that, that sounds exactly the same as the kind of things we picked up both below the line uh, yeah yeah under right. the iceberg all that sort of thing yeah it was all really americanized but to be honest it is you, and a lot of just... hand and repeated but you've got to get into it and yeah yeah you got to shed your <laughs> british sensibility did, did, just roll with did it. you do the um there was a little thing that simon did at the end of his workshops or in between breaks where you'd stand up and make a wee noise or something like oh, that. we didn't go, do that no, no no i think maybe I think, it was unique to simon i think that was a, uh, a cult that you were in <laughs> so, um no. moving on then um let me okay. share the screen and we'll, we'll have a look at your website you've got some impressive projects actually and something we were talking about just before we started recording was you working with nhs digital and how you're moving them forward oh yeah yeah, I mentioned public sector. I actually worked in the NHS for 12 years, uh, various roles in, in our local hospital trust, IT to start off with and then moved into sort of web marketing ended up being sort of the person that ran everything that was web whether it was intranet or extranet when i left it, it actually became very difficult to work with the nhs because as a solo agency especially with no real uh, business uh, behind you you need to you can't tender for work as strong as some of the bigger firms so but finally we've come back around and we're working with some nhs clients now a few years later you can see there's doncaster there their site is uh, one of the more recent case studies but we've always had because of my previous work with the nhs we've always had really good contacts with the team over in Leeds and that's where NHS Digital are now based or they've got a, an office there and the Leadership Academy, NHS Leadership Academy, they are working on a WordPress library or a WordPress theme for the NHS front-end library, which is mm -hmm. a bit like the government, gov.uk front-end design library. Quite new, but it's honestly, it's wonderful because what it can do to an NHS project is strip out maybe 25, 30% of the budget because there's no need for heavily customized design because you just use a standardized uh, design uh, library. One of the problems is the NHS digital team don't use WordPress, but the NHS leadership team 
do. Uh, so we went in actually two weeks ago, sat down with them all, and we said, well, we, we think we can help. Uh, you know, it's not an actual project. We're doing it as part of a community project working alongside them. We've released WordPress NHS themes in the past. One of them's on our mm -hmm. site called Bevan, and that is uh, what we're trying to upgrade now to use Gutenberg. So what we're essentially working on is taking all the NHS digital library elements, putting them into a theme and a series of plugins, and then you'll be able to use them on, on your site. Mm -hmm. Benefit to us is we'll be able to spin up WordPress sites for NHS organizations that actually look and feel like a proper NHS site a lot quicker yeah. and hopefully it'll set them in the right direction. Yeah, and they, and they have that consistency as well, which is so important, whereas you, you do find a lot of uh, projects under maybe a parent company or a parent organization, they will be going off in different directions, which which is fine if that's, they've got the budget to do that or they can evolve, but it's nice to have a good standard starting place. That's really great. And where can I find those themes on your site? If you go you to plugins and tools. Yeah, if you go to forward slash NHS theme, I don't actually think there's a link to it on the site. We'll see. You, you, can, you can get to it just by Googling WordPress NHS, I think. Uh, yeah, so that is the... Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah great. So that, that's the demo. So yeah. this is a theme demo that we set up that uses the library. Very basic. As you can see, there's no content in there. These are the Gutenberg blocks that you get out of the box. Plan is just to expand this. The, the problem is originally there were two streams. So the Leadership Academy were creating their own thing. We were working on ours and it just seemed logical to bring the work together because we were doing it anyway. We're not at that stage yet where we've brought the work properly together. So this is as far as we got. Pull this together was maybe a couple two or three days work from our front-end team because all they did was take the NHS library, apply it to some WordPress templates, did a bit of Gutenberg customization. Bob's your uncle, you've got an NHS WordPress site. Clearly, if you wanted a fully customized out of the, uh, something that's not just out of the box, then it needs a lot more work. You know, if you wanted to set up a basic NHS blog or whatever, you could do it by downloading that. The link to the uh, the theme that's used on there is on GitHub. So, mm -hmm. so we're uh, github.com forward slash mkdo. That's uh, pretty much it. Oh, that's great. So the idea behind this is this something they can use for free yeah right so great so they can use that for free and i guess from your point of view there's hope that you can come in and help with customization from a sales marketing perspective we, we obviously want to get something back we want to give back to the community, uh, the NHS team, as, uh, and make sure that they're using WordPress in the right way uh, as yeah. well. So, so make sure that they're using it to sort of WordPress community standards. But our hope is that obviously there'll be an exposure element that we've helped to bring this to life. But ideally, yes, this will be used as a starting point for future NHS site projects, no matter how big or small. And it might, yeah. it might be that it's relatively simple, a couple of days work of customization, or it might be a big intranet package, which we've uh, recently started just prepping for where you've got custom document management systems and private sections, forums, all that sort of thing. And you can use this on that, but it's uh, it needs an additional work package to really make it happen. So Well, that's really nice. And it's, it's nice to see that approach in terms of um, ultimately generating work, but giving something for free. There's, as part of our other side of the business, I go into smaller businesses and, and help them through a scheme called Fastershare right. um, to, to basically bring broadband up. Uh, broadband and IT usage up to speed in Gloucestershire and Herefordshire. All right. So I see, I speak to a lot of companies and there are, there are some who feel that maybe giving stuff away is going to be advantageous to competitors or people just won't spend money yeah. uh, off the back of that. Sure, I, there, are, there are definitely some people um, who are going to use, like with your theme, they'll use it and you won't get any work off the back of that. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Those sort of people would you want to use something for free anyway because they've got no budget, so they have to. So they're going to find a th free theme. Why not start with yours? And then because they like it, they're going to recommend you. So that refer 
Cheryl's going to move on. Where so many people don't see that, the, the investment that you've put in there is going to pay back. You may not see it directly, but it will pay back. And if nothing else, you can show when you're working with an NHS team that you're already up to speed on their brand and how it works and how you can implement it into the site. So I, I, I totally get it. It's a, it's a good way. Just before we move back onto Gutenberg, okay. um, you've got these plugins and tools. Is there anything there that would be worth it? A lot of those have been sunset or we've, we've significantly changed them. The WooCommerce one, Gifted is actually the most popular gifted plugin for WooCommerce because it's yeah. super simple. The the one at the top was popular for a short while, restrict content by row, because it was just a way mm -hmm. to restrict users and the way that they managed and edited content on the site. But it was superseded, to be honest, by better solutions. So a lot of those aren't necessarily massively up to date. Even the Kapow development tool at the bottom, we've recently transferred that into Kapow, I guess, 2.0, but we're adopting a new name. It's just going to be called the Make Do Development Platform. Makes sense, yeah. I think as great as we all love the name Kapow, it was pretty confusing to people who were using it, then yeah. uh, then it makes more sense. Some love is definitely needed on that page, I think, uh, but, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get to that. So <laughs> it's good. Well, that, um, let's go back to Gutenberg. Um, maybe take us through a little bit of the history of Gutenberg and, and how you've got to where you are now, really, yeah. in terms of um, wanting to push it forward. Yeah, so as a platform, Gutenberg first announced, gosh, two, three years ago. It was just announced as the new WordPress editor. A lot of sort of standard users weren't really aware that it was even, or has even been in development for, for this long. But the first version that was announced was back in... Uh, sort of January 2017. And that was a, a way to bring the WordPress community together around a single idea that we needed a new editor because mm. the one that uh, was in WordPress currently, as we all know, as great as it is, it's basic. And what tends to happen with WordPress is you get a lot of hacking around to try and make the editor do things that it, <laughs> yep. it shouldn't do. So shortcodes are a great example. They're not particularly usable. They're not particularly friendly. They don't make your code work on other systems. It's, it's not non-transferable code. Base. And I'm saying this, and we used to use shortcodes uh, and a system called Shortcake, which I'll get on to in a while quite extensively. But then you have Visual Composer, Beaver Builder, meta tools like ACF, CMB2. All of these solutions really came about because the editor was so basic. It, it was just a bit of a hack. Uh, I guess in my opinion, people started using these tools as a way to extend their WordPress sites without really coming to the conclusion that, okay, WordPress needs something in core. And as soon as I saw Gutenberg, the early sort of prototypes way back in January, it was like, wow, great, finally, we can get something that's in core that's going to work. And crucially, being built by modern development standards, it's all JavaScript, yeah. uses React. It's not PHP or any sort of older technologies that, you know, our team obviously love and they're all experienced in these technologies, but there's a craving for developers to, to get using new stuff. And you think, okay, well, Gutenberg, it's the latest and greatest thing and it uses JavaScript development and our team now prefer developing in JavaScript and really? prefer developing in you know Gutenberg system to the older way of PHP development. They were having a chatting on, on Slack just this week about how they prefer the way code is. And it really surprised me. I'm, I've obviously never done it. Those two things really, you know, the way that it was a usable new front end editor and also the development stack underneath, which was more modern and a bit more uh, up to speed with with what, how all, all the other CMSs are using, uh, really made it desirable to me. Then it took a long time. I mean, it didn't get launched until December 2018. Uh, That's right. So we had a 
podcast recording a couple of days before it was released saying well it's going to be released Im- imminently and by the time it went live <laughs> it was it'd been released yeah to be fair they were on that point of it's going to be released probably five or six times over that initial <laughs> year i don't think anyone understood that it would take so long i spoke at an event may the 18th 2017 uh, i've got the slides that i can share with you actually it talks about how the new system works what the foundations are going to be and then it says that it's hopefully going to be in the next version of wordpress which is you know right around the corner and it took forever from then to to really get into core one of the benefits of that is though everyone in our team saw gutenberg fell in love with it and thought great we might not have agreed with the way that it was being sort of rushed through or that some of the community were, were correcting the uh, frustration that maybe you know only a small amount of people wanted a new editor but my argument was always that we need a change it may as well happen now and i would yeah. i'd yeah. rather it was forced on us from from sort of high up rather completely than, agree because uh, I, I was starting to see that other customers were preferring other platforms yeah. such as Squarespace because that's got a similar-ish way of dragging around blocks. Uh, Wix to some degree. What's the other one? Weebly. I mean, I, no, I'm not advocating them as CMSs. No, I, I don't, don't like them, totally but, but they have that the drag and drop ability, which yep. which is what regular people like. And and as much as as a developer, once you've got everything in place, it's it, it can be great to copy and paste and move stuff around very easily as a user of the site who wants to just maintain and develop it, yep. it's it's not fun. So I could see a lot of people either griping about some of the, the ways they had to use yep. it or, or or not, or preferring another system. So it needed to move forward. It did, yeah. And I think plan for the future are that it's Gutenberg's going to take over things like widgets, the menu editor, all of the, uh, the Gutenberg editor portion is now finished. And as we know, yep. everyone's hopefully using it, but everything else in WordPress is going to hinge around Gutenberg's future being uh, transforming the way that WordPress is used from the dashboard so we got on board way back when it was initially announced it, it took about a year really to for documentation to become available fully and for demos that actually work to become available if you were like me you had it installed bleeding edge plugin on, on the site just to play around with and i did the same talk that you just uh, that, that you shared quite a few times at different meetups just to get some feedback from the community and just to warn people uh, it was funny i did one in manchester i think it was december 2017 yeah because the Christmas market was on. That's why I remember. There were people there that didn't even know the editor was pending. And at that point, it was like six months away, even though it took a year. So it was good to do that and get feedback. Mostly negative, to be honest. I think a lot of people at these uh, meetups were, were quite negative about it. But I was mm. you know, trying to put a brave face on it. And uh, at that time, our team were already playing around with it, developing, uh, learning how it worked, which was difficult because, again, the documentation was non-existent. And then we fast forwarded to sort of about six or seven months ago. We, we implemented it on some client sites. One of the NHS ones that's on our homepage that you referenced for uh, Doncaster and Rotherham, that one is, uh, that's got some Gutenberg elements to it. We obviously installed it and got it running on our own website, on our agency site. And then I instructed the team, and this was probably the biggest benefit that, that we ever did to to learn Gutenberg was uh, to, to do a hack day. Mm-hmm. We're a remote company, so we all work separately in different areas. So it wasn't all huddling around a, a conference room for a day, but it was actually a hack week because so we had a gap in client work. So I said, all right, well, let's do this. And I sent, I think, a five-page Word, uh, a Google Drive doc, actually. So I want all these blocks developing. And some of them were things that we developed for other clients that weren't blocks, or they were using systems like Shortcake. Uh, and we just said, so let's convert them into Gutenberg. And all the team had a goal that they would at least create, I think, three blocks within that period. Mm-hmm. The blocks would then be put forward to a public repo that we could share, if, they, if so be. Uh, and over that, during that hack day process, I think the team learned quite a lot about Gutenberg, and I did too. 
to our lot some, some of the development misgivings. And it really helped fast forward getting everyone in the team on board with developing for Gutenberg. And not long after that, we had what I would suggest was our biggest Gutenberg project that we've ever done, which was for sort of an, an energy company. I can't, unfortunately, because of NDA's name there, <laughs> brand outright. But we were working with an agency partner who provided us with the design work. And we developed all that in Gutenberg, all the templates in Gutenberg. That was pro that was the first big Gutenberg project that we'd undertaken. Yeah, it, it took longer, to be honest. The estimates that we had for the project were a little bit off because with Gutenberg, it requires some additional testing and some, there, yeah. there was still some unknowns, again, because of, of the lack of documentation. Even though the team have done all of the online Gutenberg courses, uh, Gutenberg training courses, and digested all of the Gutenberg development literature, I think they learned more on that project actually doing it for real. Yeah, you have to have a real project, don't you, yeah. to, to iron out all the kinks. Uh, so that helped us now, and I think the confidence levels for Gutenberg are pretty high. Ubiquitous now, we, we don't even think about doing it any other way it's, it's obviously it's got to be Gutenberg so that's how we adapted to it in terms of training I mentioned a moment ago there's a site called gutenberg.courses right. and if you go to the development section on that there's a wonderful man by the name of Zach Gordon who is out, uh, I've met him a few times. He, he's done training for uh, for our team, actually, on a one-to-one -one basis at a, a retreat they went to. And his courses are pretty much the industry standard for WordPress Gutenberg development. So if you want to learn how to be a Gutenberg developer, then Zach Gordon's content really is top of the list. There's new ones out all the time, and he's up updating it all the time. Often got a sale on, so you can buy it for half price. Or There's also a JavaScript course that he does, WordPress for JavaScript. Mm -hmm. His site is javascript for wp.com and really all, all of his training stuff is, is spot on it's what we did what we where we sent our team that we bought them all licenses for his courses and we got them doing the examples the outcome of that as well was we've developed our own gutenberg i guess not really a starter kit boilerplate system i can send you the link for that as well it's on our blog and on our github and that that's, yeah, that's just a way to you know a very basic block and then add to it so every time we now create new blocks new gutenberg elements we take that internally and it's based on some of Zach Gordon's learning and what we've learned. You just modify that and work from that as a, as a boilerplate. And it's funny, I asked the team this morning on Slack, do you have any more links to share? Because I know that we were going to talk about this. And it's still pretty light on the ground in terms of Gutenberg training, Gutenberg documentation. And I think Dave was the one that said, we've pretty much learned it all ourselves because there's no de facto way to do it yet. You know, even some of the more experienced developers in the community are still learning how it works because it's only six months old, really, uh, from, from being merged into core. I think if you were to start anywhere, it would be the Zach Gordon courses, but really just play around with it, get it on a site, hack it up create your own blocks. It does seem, again, speaking as a non-developer, to seem relatively straightforward to take our boilerplate and turn it into a block. We've got a blog post on our site that walks you through it. So uh, contest it as, as an actual developer. But what I can say is that it's got to be done. You know, if you're a WordPress developer, you, learning Gutenberg development has to be the number one priority. So yeah, it does. Certainly for future sites, if you're just maintaining existing ones, then uh, it's uh, maybe not something you need to touch. But if you ever want to develop new sites, it's, <laughs> yep. it's certainly worth it. We mentioned, uh, I think, when we were conversing up, up until before we, we started recording, how we used to use uh, Visual Composer. Yeah. And that was really a solution to get around this big editor window where you could just put any arbitrary HTML <laughs> in there. Yeah. So Visual Composer was was a real leap forward in terms of actually being able to structure some of the information, dragging and dropping content. I mean, it didn't look pretty, but it did do the job pretty well. Yeah. There are others you mentioned. Yeah, so Beaver Builder, you know, there's the Site Origin Builder. I haven't heard of that one, no. Site Origin, we were introduced to it on a 
big project we still work on today. And that was round about the same time as Visual Composer, but it used a different widget system. So, and a little bit easier to use in our opinion, but still pretty clunky, still very difficult yeah. to manage. Yeah. Uh, Visual Composer gets a lot of flack, mainly because it's included now with pretty much every theme for his theme. So what we find is that it's been completely overused. I'm sure the people who engineered it never imagined it could be bent and bruised in the way that it has been. It is, as like you say, a good solution for the time. And I remember seeing the demo first and I was like, wow, that looks great. But when you actually use it and when you look at what it does to your site, I mean, the short codes, the performance problems, the, the way it slows down sites. There's a lot of shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a problem. It's a big problem. And we at MakeDo, we do a lot of secondary hosting and support and maintenance. Probably 50% of the sites that we host as an agency, we haven't built. Other people have built, they've come to us for help to do security maintenance upgrades for them. And maybe the odd tweet. And the majority of them use Visual Composer or ACF, uh, two technologies we don't use, but we're aware of and we have experience yeah. with. And it's mainly because they've been built by other people and then handed over. And then things like Visual Composer is is definitely an issue with some clients because it's it, my site's slow. And the answer is it's because it's Visual Composer. What can we do? Oh, we can redevelop it. That's going to cost probably yeah. more than what it did in the first place. So it, it is a problem. Problem, but we we obviously we live in the WordPress economy, so we have to uh, support these tools. Hopefully, a changing tide now and Visual Composer and some even Beaver Builder, which is a massive tool. I think there's a million active subscribers of that, which is more than use Squarespace as a platform. Wow. That is just uh, amazing that they've got that that kind of customer base. Uh, I've even seen it now on ThemeForest that people have started to release Gutenberg block themes versus you know instead of using Visual Composer or or other right. systems so yeah. it's definitely turning around it is a shame we never use visual composer on, on a client site we would build everything to try and keep it quite maintainable i mentioned shortcake because shortcake was kind of the closest thing that you could get to gutenberg before gutenberg because you could create your own short code based visual editing tool uh, where you could drop things into the editor it would be using wordpress's core functionality which a short code mm -hmm. is but really the benefit <laughs> of using gutenberg is it's going to be built in so it's going to be you used by uh, at, at least every new install unless they're sort of negating out with plugins yeah. and and it's in its interest to be as fast and robust as possible and it's not that these other plugins won't be but they're always hacking and adding on to WordPress rather than being part of it um, so I totally agree with you that it's not only the way forward because it's default also it's going to be most likely the best way to develop yeah I sort of touched on that I was interviewed by web designer mag God, I can't remember when it was I've got a link to it maybe June July last year maybe the year before and I said it's the same thing. It's going to be in core. Everything else previously was just a hack. It yeah. was just a way around a problem with WordPress. This is now the solution. Well, shall I, shall I, uh, let's do a sponsor break and um, we'll come back to that. So our sponsor for this episode is Inventive People. Inventive People is a collective of creative, technical and marketing folk that, uh, that I've worked with over the last uh, nine, ten years of um, Rather Inventive. And really, we put it together because it can be a pain to find the right person for a small project, from designing what you need to you know, designing the brief, getting a cost, dealing with all the uncertainties of working with someone new. So we put together Inventive People, which is uh, at least 60 common tasks, although that is growing in marketing, promotion, development as well. You'll know the cost, you know, how long it's going to take and what isn't and isn't included all before you agree to do anything and you can buy it all online and then deal with us either remotely or uh, a visit if that's necessary. So I'll give you an example. So this is Inventive People here and I want to dive into a meeting. So I need to sort of push my marketing strategy forward. 
So I'm going to go into internet marketing and we've actually got a new product down the bottom, digital marketing support meeting actually with me. So we can click on that. You can get to see me talking to some of the clients there. Just an example that I am a real person and I do speak to other clients and they are generally happy about it. You've also got a little video you can watch, gives you an example of what we might talk about. And then we've got what's included, uh, what isn't included. So if we're far away, then there's some travel costs. Plus you also get one year's membership to our Invented Marketing Club. So hopefully what we're trying to do is present product on the site that is well balanced and you can see exactly what you're after. So let's say you wanted that. We only want half a day. That should be enough for the strategy meeting. We can add that to our cart, go to checkout. And if you're a listener to this podcast, make sure you include the code Inventive Podcast in there for a 20% discount. Pop your details in and then pay. And that's it. You can pay by credit card or bank transfer if you prefer, whatever works. And then um, in this case, I'll get in touch with you and we'll, we'll organize that meeting. It's, uh, it's all very straightforward. So if you need a blog article written, a website updates, some new staff photos, or even a case study on site, check out inventivepeople.co.uk and make sure to use that discount code inventive podcast for 20% off. Okay, shall we move on for a demo? Sounds good. Let's have a look at this. So this is just a standard new site that I set up this morning and this is a site you're running here then is the 2019 theme which is uh, built for Gutenberg yeah. so you should be able to just use sort of the out of the box blocks to create new content so give it a run uh, some of the more basic features are the way that you can drag and drop things around so you can move paragraphs around easier one of the key changes to our client expectations around it was was what you've just done that the way that you now have headings and paragraphs as separate entities on the page previously a heading... that takes a bit of getting used to oh yeah definitely because a heading was just a select and then from the editor drop down change to a heading now it's this thing that you can move around. In many anyway, much better to have it like that. We all have issues with, you know, making sure customers are delivering SEO friendly copy. So making sure that H1s and H2s and properly identifiable, I think makes it a lot easier. The other thing was the way that you can transform certain blocks. So you've got a paragraph mm. there. If you click the paragraph, you can turn it into a list or a quote. And again, having a list as a separate thing, because normally you just press the little bullet point option in the editor. It helps because it means that people appreciate lists for what they are. They're separate pieces of content that sit outside of a paragraph you know they're not going to try aligning them left or right and yeah. and that sort of thing again just takes a little bit getting used to but i will say this when i now do wordpress demos in either a sales pitch or in a environment where we've already got a site that isn't gutenberg the client response is always incredibly positive i think with wordpress a lot of the html that is is there in terms of quotes different styles of heading they're there but they're hidden away they're not so accessible until you know but where the drop down yeah. is but with this it's quite nice because you can say well i want to transfer a bit of text into a quote so I can I can even transfer it into a quote or I want a um, I want to drop an image in so I can just click image go to the media library I don't think there's anything in here uh, I haven't dumped anything in <laughs> but I could just select my image just and the media library is exactly the same so people are familiar with that they pick the image and then they've got an image block there and you can have lots of different um, formats for it where you can have content around it and you have it stretch full screen I mean it's it, out of the box it's not bad in terms of what it can do that's what I mean we even sometimes throw in like a block lot library there's Atomic Blocks, which is a popular one. There mm -hmm. is Co-Blocks. And these block libraries are just another way to add out of the box a ton of options that they can add to carousels, different accordions even, things like that, uh, that you don't really have to develop custom anymore because they're doing, and, and there's a block economy growing in WordPress, you would, mm -hmm. where people can create these things. As a purist, I would prefer every block to have its own plugin, or at least if there's a few similar blocks, then they're in a separate plugin. That's how we work. Why is that? I think it's because if we use some of our site examples that we 
we've developed. So we would take the theme, flesh it out as a design, uh, and then any blocks within the theme that are custom go into a plugin that's specific to that project. And that's because what you can then do is you can take the plugin, disable it, or install it on another site, and it separates the concerns around the theme and the plugin. So if, if yeah. the client wishes to maybe change something in their theme, then they've still got the blocks available in a different, slightly separated function to make it easier to customize. The NHS design elements that we talked about earlier, they can be installed on any site. Therefore, you've got the blocks. You could add, start adding them to NHS websites that are decades old, but you get the ability to use some of the more modern uh, layout functions and some of the more modern elements. So Gutenberg itself, there's a lot out of the box. Great things that WordPress 5.2 introduced was you can turn some off now. So you can go into Gutenberg settings. Uh, the verse block, for example, no one ever uses verse. Where is that? Uh, I think if you just type V <laughs> at the top into the little search, there's a verse block. Yeah, there it is. No one, no one ever uses that. So we get rid of that. What's that for? It's for uh, like a bit of poetry. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, and all of the embeds as well. A lot of the embed, if you look at it, it's got YouTube, Vimeo, uh, sites you've never heard of. What we often do is turn those off because what WordPress does in, is it, it's intelligent enough to know if you drop in a link from YouTube, it automatically embeds the video anyway. So um, I've not tried that actually. So it would automatically create a block for me like yeah. this with the embedded. Yeah. Thing. So so we, we offer that more as a training thing. We say just copy the link in and it'll automatically do the work for you. And it's a shame you don't have any images because the, the benefits around image editing and, and image layout in Gutenberg far, far better than any previous version of WordPress. You can have wider images, like you've got one there, a full width image. You can create cover images. Cover images are a big win. We use them a lot on our own uh, agency website. Cover image can really transform the way that a page looks and you can use them for calls to action. One of the things that I do often is just select the list, the options for that list. You can create what's known as a reusable block. So if you created a nice cover image with some text and a button inside, store mm -hmm. that as a reusable block. And mm -hmm. then when you're editing content elsewhere, you just drop that reusable block in and, and it becomes something that you can use over and over again. Right. Yeah. So that's really nice. You've got the built, the creator built within it. Yeah. So it saves you just time. Uh, so there, there you go. So if you put like a nice title in and then underneath that, you get a little paragraph and buttons in Gutenberg sometimes don't work too well within cover images, uh, depending on the theme, but mm -hmm. with a bit of customization and some CSS, you can make the buttons stand out. And yeah, there's tons of options, color as well. So you can change, you know, if you just select a text block and go to the color options, things on the right hand side. What's interesting here is you see the warning. So if you had blue on blue, it warns you that that's not an accessible color palette. So, so right. this theme just has four colors however Gutenberg just installed out of the box has a full color library so you can have a color picker and you know really go to town and create incredibly ugly text boxes but with some yeah. customization you can get around that to make sure that your clients don't have you know green and yellow text and things like that we're only saving them from themselves exactly yeah and they'll prefer it as well because you, you plug in their brand colors and it just adds that extra layer of uh, value to to a WordPress yeah. site because you're not really doing that much development work all you're doing is changing a few key functions and it gives them a lot more flexibility. There's a training mm. overhead. I'm not going to lie. I do a lot of video training now where I record a little screencast and then hand it over to the client. And I feel like since we've switched to Gutenberg, that's a lot more. Uh, we, we have a lot more just to point them in the right direction, but it, it will tail off once they've all got used to it, I think. So a lot of that is because of the custom blocks as well, because we need to show them what all the options are. I think it's the same with anything. People come into WordPress, There's uh, if you're new to it, then there's a lot of training needed on that. Mm. I think with this, there is more 
you can do. So that's why there's there's more training off. As great as this is, we've everyone I think fell in love with this one when they saw it. The latest version is a little bit easier because it makes it more identifiable where the columns are mm. actually are. You know, you've got a little yes. button that says add something to this column. But yeah, dragging and dropping things around, just think it's a browser and issues and it? it's not something that that's yeah, like it just takes a little while to find yeah. it, but once you've got it, it does drop in the right place. Or or delete deleting things. Sometimes this little tab at the side doesn't show up. So it's 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 quite a tricky thing to do to make a navigation be very usable but also disappear out of the way so when you click off you you actually get a good idea of what the page is going to look like another pro tip if you like if you install the gutenberg plugin on this site what that does is essentially upgrades all of the gutenberg functionality to the latest version that are not in core yeah so that's not recommended for your client sites because they'll have sort of bleeding edge gutenberg blocks that <laughs> that might break one of the key issues with gutenberg is let's say i create a custom block and then the client says oh actually we need a new field on that or we need to change the the style of that list the block itself breaks and can't be edited because the way that gutenberg renders html it's changed so transformatively it means you can't go back so you've got to recreate the block if you do that with the plugin let's say you added some columns to a site using the plugin and then when they eventually came around to re release that things can unfortunately break quite easily uh, that's a struggle that we found during development when we give access to a client site they start adding content and then we change something in gutenberg and then they can't edit that content again the gutenberg team have said that that they're aware of the problem but it's not something that they can fix because it's a technology issue rather than a gutenberg issue and it is fixable using uh, server-side rendering and things like that uh, it's just something to be aware of so now we try our best really to make sure that every gutenberg block is in its final unbreakable if you like version yeah well it, it works it works really well it's just it's just getting used to it and i don't i don't think it's any more difficult it's just something to get used to and it, because it allows you so much more flexibility the more you can do it's definitely worth people playing around with it or if they don't have it on their website seeing um, whether that can be an option to get the developer to update it depending on how much they might charge for that it's certainly worth yeah it. and to be clear you can upgrade wordpress 5 point whatever don't think that it'll break your website because you just install this plugin called the classic editor yep. that's recommended by the core wordpress team classic editor is installed again on the majority of the sites we manage just because if it wasn't the sites would break no we did exactly the same thing when it was launched we installed classic editor just to get things where we were and then for new sites progressively update making sure they're updated the, new the version. worry is that certain people are thinking oh, i'm not going to upgrade to five because i don't like gutenberg but yeah. that means you've still got all those security and yeah you miss out on all the security so, updates so yeah. get classic editor installed and just upgrade it won't change anything about your well it will change some of the wordpress functions outside of the editor but it won't change the way that your site we've had great experience with that we've got a variety of different sites made with all those lovely plugins you like yep. <laughs> acf and, and and visual composer oh my. And, it, and and they but even just just up they're not broken the editor becomes gutenberg so you can't edit it but you install the classic editor plugin and you're back to where you were again and it's absolutely fine it's not had any issues whatsoever um is there anything else we want to cover or because we need to we need to round off now although i could continue talking all day uh our agency managed to adapt quite quickly uh mainly because we we got on the bandwagon very early we followed the the development of the platform on wordpress.org which i can i can share some links to their block editor guidelines they've got a handbook that is is pretty good for, for developers so it's definitely a learning curve from a business perspective though it just makes sense because selling gutenberg is much easier than selling just wordpress out of the box uh it yeah. makes sites quicker and easier to develop longer term at the moment sites take a little bit longer just because of the unknowns. Two years time, it'll be much easier and much faster. You won't have to use ACF just to add extra fields to a site or yeah, like yeah you won't have to use Visual Compose or any of the other block editing tools or, or site builders because it'll all be in there and it'll all be uh, sort of the de facto way of working. And the benefit really is that 
I can hand that to another WordPress developer or another WordPress team. And exactly. it's, it's, it's in core, you know, they've got documentation, you know, you, you're not tied to a particular third party add-on. The one piece of advice, again, I touched on it earlier was the hack day. The hack day was brilliant because it was an internal project with no client expectations. And it was just go and build some blocks, just pick some random blocks and build them. It turned out a lot of the blocks, that playground, if you like, of being able to do that, I think really focused the team. To round off, I'm just going to touch on some of our recent, mainly podcasts actually on our blog. <laughs> I've been particularly busy going to a lot of conferences. I've already mentioned the WordCamp Bristol ones. Another one we went to recently, which was really good actually, been there for three years now, is Web Expo Guildford, WXG7, down in Guildford, obviously. I went down there with Claire and Al. The, the, the theme for that year was tech for good. So really they wanted anyone, uh, all the speakers were people who had something um, where tech was either uh, affecting the environment positively. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about mental health and how tech can help people or, or how it hinders people in some ways. There was one by Daniel Harvey. I mean, it was a really good talk. He was an excellent speaker. Um, I've linked in there, which is worth a read as well. He's basically talking about all the bad things that are happening and how we can either just not exacerbate it by clicking on the links, watching the videos, going down those YouTube rabbit holes um, and that sort of thing and, and, and trying to put positive message out there and doing good stuff. So that was our chat afterwards where we where we looked at all of those topics. But if anyone is around Guildford uh, around June time, then it's definitely worth looking at. The other one, and now this has been in the pipeline for a long time, and I'm really sorry, Matt, <laughs> who, who I interviewed on this. This is for a company called Whitley Jones. I interviewed them last year, at the end of last year. And the reason it's been hanging around is because it was a different interview to normal. I say slightly different in the intro notes here. It was completely different. I wanted to get a feel of a family business and how a family business has not only grown for 20 years, but how they are managing succession, which I think is really important. A lot of people don't think about in a business, how you move out of that business, whether you're going to sell it, whether you're going to pass it on to your son, you're going to bring a new management team, how are you going to move that forward? So I interviewed Chris and Jane, who are basically mum and dad in, in the company and the original um, entrepreneurs. Then you've got Matt Jones, who's the director and eventual successor, it's their son, Lucy Jones, who's in there in the finance, so she's going to take over on uh, being the uh, finance director. And then Simon Downs, who's like the current managing director. Plus, we had a factory tour. I did a lot and I found it really difficult to put together as a podcast. It wasn't a straight interview like this or a conversation. I had to put it together in a way that had some story, some flow to it. Apologies, Matt, for taking so long, but I think it's really worth people listening to. And also, finally, just check out our events. We run lots of events throughout the year. Do check our event page, ratherinvented.com slash events. Got lots of stuff coming up. A lot of it's free. So do come and meet us in uh, Swindon or Sirencester or Gloucester, wherever we're hanging out. Let's see. We've had uh, actually a couple of lovely reviews and ratings, although they've left no comments, so I can't read anything out. But thank you very much for people going on to uh, iTunes and managing to find out how to review a podcast. That's really kind of you. Thank you very much. So as we finish, Kim, where can we find you online? Where's the best place to get in touch if people want to know more about Gutenberg and anything else? Oh, it's probably our site. So makedo.net, there's a contact form on there, phone number. If you want to email me direct, it's just Kim. That's K-I-M-B at makedo.net. Really, I'm most active on uh, Twitter uh, at MKJones, M-K-J-O-N-E-S. Uh, LinkedIn, not so much, but tends to be the place to do business these days. So you can always connect to me on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Thank All you. Right, People can find me. I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter. Uh, or you can get in touch with us. Hello at ratherinventive.com. Sponsor for this episode is Inventive People. So you can go to inventivepeople.co.uk. Make sure you use the code Inventive Podcast for 20% off. Show notes for this episode should be linked within the um, podcast you're listening to, or you can go to ratherinventive.com slash podcast. And if you if you like this podcast, do support it by letting other people know. Just rate us on iTunes. That's all I ask. It helps to become more visible and, and, and more people find, find it online. Or you can sign up to our Inventive Marketing Club. So we meet online each month to discuss a marketing topic. I think recently we've discussed how to get five-star reviews, YouTube 
YouTube stats, LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes for that. Thank you very much, Kim, for your time. I do appreciate it. No problem. And thanks to everyone else for listening. Ah. Ah.